0: Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world to hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gears, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockton Cyclery for supporting bike pack adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on peddling. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike touring. You'll get insight into various cultures and countries around the world. They'll share fantastic stories of their journey, and through mine and my guest experiences, you will learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike touring and considering going on a tour, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. If you're already a bike tourer, I hope my guest stories allow you to relive some of your own experiences and give you a good laugh or two along the way. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Hey there, and welcome back to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. It has been a minute for sure, and it's been a really tough week. I don't think I'm alone here, but I I know quite a few people who have spent hours this week scrolling through messages and reading these just fantastic tributes to a man who is no longer with us, Johan, the Bike Wanderer. I thought, you know, I have to say something, and sat down for a while trying to think of what I could possibly say that would, I don't know, add, I don't know, make, make coping, making understanding what happened any easier. And there's really nothing I can say. I I think everybody else is just kind of shocked. And it's, it's really unfortunate, you know, to anybody that doesn't know who Johan is. He was just one of these people that probably had one of the, biggest single impacts on engaging people and getting people wanting to bike tour, maybe more so than anybody out there. Um, Really hard to judge that, but I I would say he was, you know, what Mike Hall was to endurance bike racing, Johan was to, to bike touring. And, um, you know, just, he was the kind of guy that could meet people in the most forlorn places, have no means of communication with them and yet befriend them. Wild animals constantly gravitated to him. And, you know, he was always feeding animals, playing with wild dogs. Just, yeah, just natural, just a good spirit. And I think animals could sense that. And um, he made videos that captured all that. And it was quite amazing to see how many people out there also started touring and started making videos in an effort to to capture some of that themselves. And and I think people can attest to how difficult that was because he made it look so natural and easy. And, you know, for him, it really was. It was just the person he was. And so uh, I guess all I can say is uh, rest in peace, Johan, the friend I never met. I hope you uh, you are at peace, my friend. All right. This week's episode... Before we get rolling into the episode i'm I'm gonna save all the usual sponsor talk for the for the end of the episode. I just don't want to take away too much from the gravity of what is that occurred this week, but yeah, I have been very busy. it's It's been, uh, you know, school started, so I'm back to teaching. It's been crazy busy. The end of the summer was really busy as well. I was traveling a bit with my wife and, um, doing some stuff around the house, like roofing the house, which sucked, but it's done. And, uh, so now it's time to get back into this and I'm really, really happy with today's episode. Um, this guy, Theo, amazing, amazing writer, young Canadian dude from Toronto and, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it and get to learn about him and uh, that'll be it. One last thing before you guys listen to this episode, uh, there is some good news at the end of the episode. I've kept it all into the credits, so please do have a listen and enjoy the episode. In this episode of the Bike Tour Adventures podcast, I speak with Theo Kelsey Verdechia. Coming from Toronto, Canada, Theo has been crushing gravel routes these past couple of years setting a fastest known time record on the BTXL in 2020. The BTXL, located in southern Ontario, is a combination of the BT700, 768 kilometers long, and the Grand Nith Ramble, which is 350 kilometers, coming in at just over 1100 kilometers of riding with 10,400 meters of elevation. In 2021, Theo did it again and beat his own time setting a new FKT of 84 hours and 17 minutes and also finishing first on the Alberta Rockies 700, a grueling race in the west of Canada. Theo, welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Happy to be here. Awesome. I was uh, Initially, I kind of had hoped I would have gotten around to uh, interviewing Matthew Cady first before this, and then it just never happened, so this is the order it's going to go in. He's he's elusive. He's a hard man to get a hold of. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) He's always cooking up something. Yeah. (laughs) So, why don't we start by having you tell us about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So... um,
1: like you said, my name's Theo, and I'm a bike mechanic here in Toronto. Uh, I work at a shop called Brockton Cyclery that is like kind of a bike touring, uh, bike packing focused, full service repair shop and retail shop. I've been riding bikes pretty much my whole life, but only in the last couple of years have I kind of, I guess you could say, gotten serious about it and started doing longer rides, um, getting a bit more competitive and getting more into the, the off-road bike packing stuff. I started out riding fixed gears when I was like, in high school and that was what kind of started um that was kind of where I started getting a little more into it and then I got a road bike and started working in bike shops and from there it just kind of took off and started riding mountain bikes and then that was kind of the natural progression was mm. was to do the bike packing
0: thing. Cool. And I think fixed gear riding is like it's a really great way to learn a lot of like skill to handle a bike, right? Because you're just so connected to it. Definitely, yeah. I think a lot of people my
1: age um came from fixed gears. Like a lot of the guys at the shop, that's how we all started riding bikes. And yeah, you
0: definitely learn a lot of skills and you learn how to pace yourself well and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was probably drunk somewhere in Asia when you were doing all that. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds pretty good too. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you work in the bike industry and have you done much, not talking about the ultra racing stuff, but have you done much bike packing or bike touring?
1: Uh, Not a ton. I've done a bunch of overnighters in Ontario. Uh, I've done like a couple trips on uh, Vancouver Island and at oh, West because nice. um, I'm from there originally. So I had a lot of family there. So it uh, made it kind of easy to go Yeah, tour around the Island and stuff. And then the only other kind of big tour I did was I went to Italy when I graduated college. I took my full suspension out there and uh, kind of rode through um, like the Northwest, uh, like the, the Alps up there and did a week long bikepacking trip just by myself. Oh, very um, cool. Yeah. And that was probably the biggest one, but other than that, no, it's mostly just been smaller multi-day things okay. in uh, in and around Ontario
0: and I think I saw you did a couple things up like was that Thunder Bay or Sault Ste. Marie or somewhere I really yeah, yeah up there. in
1: Thunder Bay yeah so a co-worker
0: of mine uh
1: Glenn lived up there for four years while he was doing his undergrad and um he's a big old bike touring nerd uh super strong rider and he he's put together a whole plethora of routes up there ah. um and so I went up and visited him for two weeks last fall and we did um yeah, a whole bunch of, of, uh, single day rides and camp outs. And, um, yeah, just kind of hung out in the bush for two weeks. It was, it was super cool. We're actually going out, uh, going back up in a couple weeks to do, uh, this giant route he's been working on for four years. We're going to go finally ride the whole thing. Oh, nice. How in long entirety, is it? It's about 800 K. Um, but it's, uh, there's no resupply on it. So nice. it's going to be basically we're expecting nine days or so. Um, without any any towns or services or anything so it's going to be quite a departure from what i'm used to but mm-hmm. he's really experienced with that kind of stuff so yeah it should be cool like, i guess you're, you're going to filter water and stuff and yeah yeah so we're going to pack all the food, all our food obviously yeah. going to do the space food thing uh, but we'll have yeah water filters and stuff there's tons of i mean a good chunk of the ride is going to be wading
0: through rivers and bogs and stuff so there is mm-hmm. ample opportunity to grab water I actually mentioned your name today and somebody's like, oh, that's awesome. You're going to be interviewing him? Like, (laughs) so so people are starting to figure out who Theo is. Oh, that's fun. Let's talk about your bike. Yeah. I know what you're using now. Was that, has this been a progression or did you kind of jump into the curve right, right away? So, um,
1: yeah, the curve I've
0: only had since December.
1: I've only had it for like seven months or so now, Um, but pretty sure that's going to be around for a while, that bike. I feel like I kind of figured it out for most of the riding I do. It seems pretty perfect, but no, I mean, like when you work in a bike shop, you kind of, you kind of do this thing where you get a new bike every year, you flip it and you just keep kind of upgrading every year. And so I was doing that and most people do it with like off the shelf mountain bikes, but I was doing that with touring bikes and like slowly refining what gear I liked Mm. and, you know, figuring out what I liked and what I didn't like. So my first bike was a, it was a Trek 520. Um, so just, just like a, a straight classic up touring
0: bike. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Straight up touring bike. And so I did a lot of like four pannier touring, like mostly road stuff. And then flipped that into, uh, what I was on for the last couple of years before the curve, which was a Trek pro caliber. Okay. Tell us about that. It's a super racy carbon, uh, cross country hardtail.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was running it with a rigid fork. Yeah. 29 inch wheels and like a 2.2, uh, tire. And it was super fun, really quick, really, really snappy. But, um, I just found it really beat me up over anything longer than like a day it was just yeah. it just beat the hell out of me and i still have like some pretty nasty like nerve damage in my hands from the first bt run um and i think a a good part of that is due to the fact that i was on a super rigid super rigid bike so you know i always kind of knew tie was the dream frame material so i'd been looking at curve i'd been following them for quite a while and i liked what they were into um and i thought yeah bigger tire drop bar um and like so much cargo capacity would be kind of ticked all the boxes for me. So mm. um, yeah, so I bought the GMX and um,
0: I've been super happy with it since. Okay, cool. And um, well, uh, tell us more about it. What's your setup like on the GMX? So yeah, so it's a Curve GMX
1: Plus. It's a titanium drop bar mountain bike. So the geometry of the frame is pretty pretty mountain bikey. It's pretty slack head tube, pretty long wheelbase. Um, it's really not gravel bike geometry, even though it kind of looks just like a giant monster cross bike. So I'm running a 29 by 2.6, uh, tire. It's a Vittoria Mezcal, Mm -hmm. which I've been super happy with.
0: They roll super quick, never had any punctures. Um, Uh, I think that's like what you see a lot, a lot of ultra distance guys are running Mezcals, right?
1: Yeah. And there's very good reason for it as I've discovered. Um, so yeah, that's the wheels. Uh, I've got a dynamo, a sun dynamo hub up front and a DT 350 in the back. And those are laced to some carbon rims from we are one composites, Mm -hmm. um, which is like a, I guess, relatively small company out of, I think, Kamloops. Okay. So that's cool. They're Canadian uh, handmade carbon rims, and I've been very happy with those. And it's a drop bar bike. So I've got the Curve Walmer bars, which are uh, 550 mils at the hoods, and then they flare quite a bit. I'm not sure what the actual measurement oh, yeah, they're, is the they're, they're real wide, yeah. Yeah, they're huge. <laughs> um, but it's nice because you run them with a super, super short stem, and it, it definitely handles like a mountain bike mm-hmm. on the single track, um, but you still have tons of hand positions. You get lots of leverage, and uh, yeah, those they're super comfy. How really short like is your stem? Things. And uh, it's sixty mils. Okay, yeah. So that seemed to. Be, I was kind of playing around. I did a fifty, a fifty-five, uh, and the sixty seems to be the sweet spot. It's good to work for me. at the shop sometimes, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just uh, oh, you don't want the stem? Okay, cool. I'll give it a go. So that's been cool. And then yeah, what else? Um, power saddle, whiskey carbon post. Um, yeah. I have the GMX fork, which was designed for that, that frame. Okay. What's uh what saddle are you using? You said power saddle? A Specialized power saddle. Okay. Yeah. Which I've been really, really happy with. Uh, I think the one I have is a bit, a bit
0: wide for me, but um, I don't know. Saddles are an ongoing, it's an ongoing such, process. So like I'm using a Brooks yeah. right now and it's good. It's like the best of what I've used, but yeah. it's just like, you know, I'm like, it's not perfect. But I'm not sure yeah. what I have or what I can afford or what I can go, you know, go buy and just test yeah, again, and you're like, you know? Yeah, I do
1: this thing where I'm like, well, it's it's worked pretty well for a while. So, like, is it worth the risk switching it up? But I'm just like, could it be better? Is it going to be worse? Like, you're always mm-hmm. – contact points are always so hard like that. Like, I've had the same pair of shoes for, like, six years. And I got them for free. And they're, like, way too big for me. But, like, they haven't caused any problems. So, I'm super yeah. hesitant to
0: switch them out. Have you seen or heard of the Infinity Saddle? No. Oh, you got to check Tell this thing more. out. It's a, uh, it's a saddle that's essentially just he he can see me, nobody else can see me right now, but it's <laughs> like the outline of a saddle and the whole inside is emptiness. So your body is uh-huh. just sitting on this. There's no I, I like some bunch of ultra distance racers are using it then it's like Really? It's like 500 bucks but out of the US okay. eh, US dollars. Uh, it's not cheap. Oh my god. And yeah, uh yeah. but it looks it looks just so abstract and like you got to google it. Um yeah, yeah, I it's will. just yeah. It looks weird, but apparently it works really well. Cool, good to know. It's on my list of things I can't afford out, yeah. to buy at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a lot of money for. a And saddle. did you mention if you're running one by or two by?
1: Uh, it's a one by. Yeah, you're um, running one by. So one, by, yeah, one by eleven. Uh, it's a GRX eight ten or eight twelve okay. or um, yep. yeah, like the. I think it's eight ten. It's 11. one by. Uh, eight twenty. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. two by. Um, maybe that's. I that. should know this being a bike mechanic, you but <laughs> um, yeah, no. So that one, that group set. I'm running a thirty four tooth chain ring. Uh, for pretty much everything. And then I I was running 11 to 42 in the back, but I put on a 46 to go to Alberta. Yeah. Which was, I was very, very uh, happy about the decision to do that. Sweet. And then, yeah, i am um, got my lever set up to the four piston SLX calipers.
0: So have a lot of braking power too, which is super handy. Ah, okay. Is that like a lot more braking power compared to your, the GRX levers? Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, yeah. Well, like the calipers... Um, the GR calipers are two piston, like they're basically like nope.
1: a road caliper. Um, but I have the four piston SLX, oh, like okay. calipers. So they just, they're super grabby, um, I have big rotors on there too. So yeah, lots of control on the techie, techie descents. Yeah.
0: I noticed, um, maybe this is just might, I don't know. Like when I'm braking, sometimes, if I'm breaking, but not into quite a skid, it, it feels like it goes like it chatters on you a bit, but I'm like, Oh, maybe it's like ABS. I'm like, maybe that's a good thing that's funny i too have thought that as well um yeah i get a bit of that sometimes i've got a ton of weight on the front but usually it's pretty good okay what size rotors are you running you said you've upped them a bit right uh they're both 180s oh 180s wow that's yeah 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 okay cool yeah, I'm using 470s for bars, and I feel like that's super wide because I was on yeah. forty two or 420s last year, and I'm like, it's a big yeah. difference. But, yeah, maybe next It's funny. Step.
1: As soon as you start going up, you're like, what if they were wider? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, let's talk about bags. Um, just wondering, what what brand of bags are you using? Is it just kind of a mix mash or a mish, mish mash? Yeah, it's
1: kind of stuff I've been kind of refining over a few years. It's pretty minimal. Like, this year, I was basically just doing a frame bag, a handlebar roll, and a top tube bag. So, top tube bag and handlebar roll are from Revelate Designs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a seat pack, but I'm not just not really using it very much. I just don't have enough stuff to justify it. Um, so, that's a sweet roll is the front roll. And that thing's great. I love it. And then the top tube bag is MagTank 2000. Uh, and then this year, I just got one of the Apodura Expedition frame bags. And that thing's awesome. I really like their stuff. It's super robust, super waterproof. Is it a full yeah, frame yeah, or just room. partial? It's just like the, just the top two. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So I can still run two bottles in the frame. So that's nice. Those are easy to grab. And then, yeah, it's again, like I really just don't, don't bring much when I'm yeah. doing the races so I can get away with just very few bags.
0: That's been a constant battle for me. Cause I'm like, I only have yeah. a full frame, but it's not a quite full frame. So I can fit a bottle in, but I'm like, oh, yeah. do I put the frame bag in two bo- yeah. in one bottle or two bottles, no frame bag? So. yeah for sure it's such a such a dance every yeah. time and i don't I, i've used them in the um feed bags i don't really like it because yeah. it bounces around a bit too much and it kind of hits your knees yeah and like, yeah it's not yeah. ideal i just find
1: i didn't do feed bags at all this year i just found i really just don't like having clutter on my bars um so like i run all like i run my computer and my light and everything off the end of my arrow bars and i really like just having the just the bars being completely empty, like nothing on them. Um, and also i find with the aero bars, the way I have them set up, it's a little tough to get in the feed bags. Yeah. Um, Yours are quite low, right? Like, yeah. I don't have them on risers or anything, mm-hmm. um, which I would like to, I'd like to explore options there. Like I might try a Fred bar so I can just get them up a bit higher. Um, but the front end of that bike is pretty high. Like it's not a super aggressive. That's right. Like it's, it's a mountain bike, right? So the front end is not super slammed. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty comfy position and I can, I can hang out there for quite a while. I've gotten pretty used to it, but yeah, just, it's just tough to get into the feed bags like that. So I just kind of stick with the top view bag and Jersey pockets for all my yeah, food and stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, I use the feed bags on the BT 700. I didn't use them on the log driver's waltz. I was like, Oh yeah. yeah just yeah. trying to figure out, a, you know, try different approaches, see what feels best.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's
0: no better way to try it than when you're going to really suffer, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, let me ask you why you decide to stick, like, do you find that because you have the front roll and not the seat bag, like the front roll kind of adds a bit of stability issues at all with steering and stuff, or do you know, really I don't really have much up there. Like it's just,
1: um, it's basically just like spare clothes and, um, like my bivy, And okay. so it really doesn't weigh much. Um, I like having my seat post empty for hike-a-bikes so i can really just if i need to get behind it and grab the post and just push it right uh, up yeah that was super handy especially in alberta um because there was there was one hike bike bike it was like an hour and a half and like <sighs> you're basically just like holding onto the seat post and the bars, just pushing up so i like i like that um i don't know it also just like it just feels faster to me like i just feel like i'm quicker i feel mm-hmm. like there's less stuff on the bike the fewer bags i have and like just a little bit of a mental edge just goes a long way so it's partially like just in my head but it does make a difference i find and yeah like all my heavy stuff's either in my like it's just in my frame bag like just my battery bank my tools mm-hmm. that's all in my frame bag so it keeps the weight like under me yeah um and yeah it's just like yeah it's a
0: relatively light bike for how big it is so no i never had any any handling problems sweet yeah is the 2.6 the max tire size for that bike or it can actually go bigger no
1: sir it can uh, it can do a three inch it can do bike. up to
0: three yeah, yeah, I've been looking at it for a couple of years, too. I've been, like, slowly drooling over the curve, GMS. Yeah, dude, it's it's <laughs> awesome. It
1: was, um, yeah, I kind of was, like, mulling it over. And I was like, yeah, one day, like, you're not ready for tie. And then I was like, you know what? Nah, like, just, just get it. Like, it's definitely going to be worth it. And I was so happy about it. It's going to be fun in the winter, too. I'm going to get, uh, I need to just build up another wheel set for it so I can throw some really, really big rubber on it and just bomb around the snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think you'll be, well, for Toronto and stuff, unless it's really, like, big powder out and stuff, three inches or Plenty good, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. I live
0: in the Gatineau Park, so it's you need, like, five, six You inches. need, a, you need, a, oh, okay, you need yeah. a good six if you want to have a really good time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That sounds way too sexual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk gear. I know that uh, – oh, I presume that you changed things quite a bit from last year to this year's. Uh, let's focus on the BTXL, maybe. Um, sure. How did your gear selection or, like, just kit you packed, how did that change up?
1: Well, I guess I just – um Honestly, the biggest change was in my like sleep kit. I was pretty minimal last year. I just did one of those SOL bibs, mm-hmm. and um, I had like one of the larger Thermarest mats. Okay. And this year, basically the the, only, the the major thing I replaced was that mat. I just got a much smaller one, so it packs down to like like the size of an iPhone, pretty much. My oh new wow! Mat. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's super super light. Uh, pretty fragile, obviously, but um, that just made such a big difference in terms of how much space I have in my handlebar roll, um, But really, no, like I was pretty happy with all the gear I brought last year. I just brought less of everything this year. Oh, so man. I brought just little things like less CO2. Um, I brought a lighter rain jacket. Um, my repair kit was a little bit smaller. Uh, little things like that. And also I think, yeah, not so much change, but I got better with it mm-hmm. and I got better at knowing where to pack it and where the okay. most efficient place to keep everything was going to be. Like That was kind of my biggest takeaway from last year um, was just c- keeping things itemized properly and having things more organized mm-hmm. as opposed to actually like refining specific pieces
0: of kit. And you mentioned um, CO2 canisters. I mean, I, I think like the mechanics parts, that's like, that's what takes up a lot of weight because now like, you start adding things like a spare tube, even if you're running tubeless, you're like, okay, I got to take one tube just in case. Then you got plugs, you got your canisters, you got your attacher, like whatever, the little fitting. And what kind of stuff did you take? So the repair kit is pretty, uh,
1: it's small, but it's comprehensive. So yeah, I bring one tube. I brought uh, three CO2 canisters, a little bottle of sealant, a couple master links, a spare derailleur hanger a bunch of plugs obviously and my Dyna plug itself and then my crank brothers Mm multi-tool and that's it I think a little bottle of uh lube the wolf tooth lube I've been happy with that stuff so I brought one of those and uh yeah I think that's it for repair okay and then oh I brought a needle needle and thread and a tire lever as well ah
0: a needle and thread I
1: haven't done that not thread it's actually dental floss but uh yeah but thread and uh and that's all just like wrapped around the taped around the tire lever with a bunch of gorilla tape OK, um, so that's all just kind of in one little one little unit. And
0: that's just like rip the sidewall just so yeah, exactly right? sidewall tears. And I've, I've never,
1: knock on wood, never had to do that. But um, apparently I've heard that dental floss won't like open the tear, like it won't tear the sidewall uh, and uh. some threads will. So, yeah, I've never had to. That's not from lived experience, but I've, I've yeah, heard that. So I thought I wouldn't risk it.
0: Yeah, I've only ever seen a blown sidewall uh, when I was touring with my wife and we had mm-hmm. to go like 20 kilometers to get to the nearest bike shop. And I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. we just duct taped the shit out of it. And I was like, come on, <laughs> hold together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, going to make it an hour and then you're good. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the events or I guess we'll, tar- we'll, uh, tar- we'll start with the BTXL. Preparing for that, sure. how did you go about it? Did you do some shorter events first or did you just kind of just say, here we go?
1: No. So this year... Um, I had having done the BTXL the year prior um, I knew what I was signing up for and um, so I didn't do any events per se but I did train quite a lot through the winter it was definitely the most diligent I've ever been about preparing and it wasn't even so much that like it wasn't even specifically for the event it was just winter I don't know winter sucks here and um, I think it's just like I, I seem to do well just like zoning in on something in the winter and it really helps keep my head on straight. So I kind of had a little project of building this training loop uh, just north of the city and in, in like Caledon uh, mm-hmm. that kind of started because there's one climb on the BT, the seventh line climb that takes you into mono mills. Okay. It's like, it's like a big, one of the bigger, longer, more kind of. Um, That's like at the end of the, the blue mountain range kind of thing. Like yeah. As yeah it's finishing? like basically. Yeah. Well, it kind of marks the last like tough section. So okay. you climb up to airport road. And then you ride airport road into mono mills, which is a little mm-hmm. intersection. And then there's all that Bruce trail single track. So was okay. like around yes. Columbus, yeah. 600 or so. Okay. Yeah. And so that, that climb had given me a lot of trouble the first two times. So the first year of the BT when I did the 700 and then the XL, I, uh, I hurt pretty bad on that climb. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go ride this hill until it's easy basically with my plan. So I kind of devised a route that incorporated that climb And then I just started riding up there all the time and just adding more and more and more. And so eventually I'd kind of built this route into, it started out around 130K and then it grew into like, I got it as big as 300. Oh, wow. Um, And like every week I would just go up and ride it uh, and just change a little bit and kind of add new sections and discover new stuff. So that was kind of like a little project I had going through the winter. And I really, really liked just doing the same route over and over again, I know it sounds kind of psycho, but like, it was really great because it removes so many variables. You can really just focus on, on your gear and on your pacing and you don't need to think too much about what the riding is actually. And you start to know what's coming up. So you're actually just thinking on your body and stuff, right? Yeah. And it's, especially if you're preparing for a route, you already kind of know you can, you can worry about everything else. You can, you can work on, yeah, like your body, you can pay attention to what hurts when you can, you start to get a much better feel for when you can push through something. So yeah, I really, really liked that. And uh, I've still been riding that route all, all summer too. It's just kind of where I go to ride now because oh, i nice. pretty tired of riding in Toronto, but yeah, no events per se. That was just training, training on that loop for like six months and then, and then jumped into
0: the BT. What's uh what's the non-cycling season like in Toronto? Like how many months is it long? Cause like here in Ottawa, it's pretty long. We're talking yeah. November I mean, sometime until April, you know?
1: Yeah, like we, I mean, last winter we got pretty lucky. It didn't get really gross until like mid January. Oh, wow. Okay. It was cold, but there wasn't like ridiculous amounts of snow. That being said, when it did get bad, it was pretty nasty. And, uh, but honestly, I saw that as like an opportunity just to kind of toughen up a little bit and like work on the cold weather skills as well. Cause, you know, like I want to do races that are going to take me through all kinds of weather. So I thought, why not just get some of this experience now and, and, um, yeah, get some cold weather skills. Um, so I kind of just looked at it as, as an advantage and I was mm-hmm. just like, what else am I doing? Right. Like, yeah, I've <laughs> got a set of studded tires go now, anyway. so I might even get out on yeah, the studs this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it also got me used to the hike bike cause I didn't have studded tires. So there was a lot of trudging through snow for a few weeks there and, um, yeah, pushing up icy Hills and stuff. So it was good. Um, just kind of adventure practice even more oh. so than, than just like,
0: riding specific training okay and you mentioned you did the you did the actual bt 700 i didn't know that i thought you just did right to the xl the first time
1: no the very first year i tried it um and i was gonna like try to do like a quick tour of like 2019 Um, or yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah, 2019 so when it was when it was just the 700 before he'd made the gnr Mm -hmm. and i ended up i didn't i didn't i didn't do the whole thing i ended up technically scratching in flesherton Oh yeah. Um, which is 450 kn as you know. And then I took the, what's now called the BT light is what I actually wrote. So you, there's like a rail trail detour you could take from Fletcherton to Shelburne, which cuts out that whole, uh, part where you loop back North and do all the blue mountain stuff. And so I took that and cause I was just, I didn't know what I was getting into. And I was like totally undergunned. Like I was on my, on my, my Trek 520 the touring bike, um, uh-huh. with like 38 mil tires. Right. And, uh, I had a blast. It was amazing. I met some cool people and it was my first kind of real foray into that kind of thing. But no, yeah, that was the very first time I did. I did the BT it was 2019. Okay. And then you did the XL in 2020. Yeah. I was like, well, that was really cool, but yeah, like I know I can do better. So I was like, all right, let's go, go for broke next year and like bring the right bike, prepare properly and, and just, uh, yeah, see what I can do on the big one.
0: Doing the BTXL this year. Was that more of a also like was there a reason particularly why you went back or was it kind of just a preparation for the AR seven hundred? No, the AR was actually a pretty like I get I
1: want to say last minute, but like I I only decided I was gonna do that I think a few months before okay. um I went out. So the XL was definitely gonna be the focus this year. And no, I just cause I knew I knew I could go way faster having known the route a lot better and just having worked on those time management skills mm-hmm. all winter, I was like, I, I can save so much time. If I try harder, like the first year I did it, I had almost a full day of stop time. Yeah. I looked at my Strava route and I had like 20 hours of stop time or something, including sleep. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Like no and this one, is when you did the, this is when you much. did the XL, right? Yeah. The yeah. first time I did the XL, I was looking at the Strava file. I was like, I had, yeah, I had almost a full day of yeah. stop time over, over like three and a half days so i was like okay well then if i just get better at that and sleep less i can definitely take a healthy amount of time off and that was the other thing i really was curious about the sleep thing and i wanted to see how hard i could push that because the first year i did it i slept quite a bit i think i slept about 10 hours over the oh, whole wow thing. okay um yeah and i was super curious just to see what it was like to go that deep into the, the no sleep hole because i hadn't really experimented with it and i wanted to I wanted to find where that line was for me. Yeah. And I think I pushed it a little too far on the XL. I think I could have actually gone faster had I slept a little bit more. Yeah. That's a tough call, right? That's the hard one to figure out. It is. Yeah. Cause you hear from, from the big dogs that like three days is kind of the line for a lot of them where they can get away with basically no sleep. Like that's something I've heard from a few, few different people uh-huh. like Sophie who's, you know, like he's the king of not sleeping. Yeah. Um, so I've heard that before and I was kind of curious to see how my body would handle that. And I think, yeah, if you have as much experience as them, you could probably do that. Mm-hmm. But, and also obviously depends on the, on the terrain, like on the AR, like that's not a no sleep ride, even though it's only 700 K like you, you can't, I could never do that on yeah. no
0: sleep. It was just way too demanding. Um, how, so how much sleep did you take this year on the, the VTXL? About, about four hours. over the About whole four hours total. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Over, over uh yeah, I guess, what was it? Like three, three and a, three and a bit days. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I did the BT 700 and I think I got, well, we took a, so we did a, I was with somebody at the start, the first night we stopped, we set our alarm for an hour and a half or I set it for an hour and 15 minutes later thinking, okay, I'll get up have 15 minutes of pack and be on the road. Yeah. And so there was about an hour and 10, an hour and five minutes sleep. And then I tried yeah. to stop later on for an hour and I just couldn't sleep. It was just like, my body yeah, yeah. was like, I was riot My head was just spinning, you know, and I couldn't get yeah. anything out of my head. And Yeah. yeah. So that turned out yeah, to it's be weird, all there man. was. It's,
1: yeah. It's so hard to predict what your body's going to want because you think you're, okay, I rode 300 K I'm going to just pass out. And sometimes you just can't, you just lie there. Yep. You know, you're tired you know, you need to sleep, but your brain just can't. It's still turn rest off.
0: though. Like, yeah, I got back on the bike. I felt better. I was like, I'm alive. I'm doing good. And, but it, yeah, not, yeah, not definitely. Fully. Yeah. Just.
1: Yeah. Just cooling off for an hour. Yeah. Like I remember um, I think two years ago when Lael was going to do tour divide, she said something before she headed out where she was like, I am going to make myself sleep or at least stop and lie down for four hours a night. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting distinction. You're not specifically going to you're going to sleep, but you're going to lie down for four hours, no matter what. And I was like, okay, well, that's an indicator that yeah it would just still be a good reset point and a good, yeah. good way to rest even if you don't actually get to sleep yeah
0: yeah it's really interesting too like you're saying about the speed or the 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 amount of sleep because like i think uh what's his name lachlan morton he re- sleeps like seven hours a night but he rides yeah, at like man. such a fast pace that oh like- dude yeah yeah i feel like someone with an engine like that it's almost it's
1: you can't even compare like it's i don't know You can take inspiration from people that ride like that. But I'm like, I can't try to employ the same tactics as you. Like, there's no way. Like, his Colorado Trail ride uh, blows my mind still. So, he came, I think, like, two hours shy of the FKT. The guy who set the FKT slept, I think, three hours. And Lachlan slept, like, 17. Yeah, yeah. And and came two hours shy. Like, that just blew my mind when I heard
0: that. Yeah, it's mental. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the btxl what's your what are your favorite parts uh clearly that one hill now i like that (laughs) hill Um, yeah i've grown quite fond of that hill um my favorite part is the
1: the single track right after mono mills um Mm -hmm. so it's like a couple hours of just downhill trending super flowy beautiful pine forest single track there's a lot of
0: cool little bridges and um, i I did a freaking endy right over one of where really? there was roots and you had like the little, the little bridge. And all of a sudden I thought yep. it was hopping over the route and I landed right in front of it. And I just went, Wee! yeah, there's a few little, <laughs> there's a few little
1: spots in there that have definitely almost tripped me up quite a few times, but, uh, did you go through at night or did you get oh, yeah. that part in the yeah, day? It was middle
0: night and I was using, um, yeah. oh, I had my Blackburn bike and hike light in my hand yeah. because okay. my dynamo <laughs> wasn't working. And you were just like one well, hand on know, the bars,
1: one hand on the bars. <laughs> couldn't keep it charged
0: otherwise. And if I strapped it on, it wasn't, I couldn't get the plug in. So I had to like hold it on the oh tops my of my bars and like hold that light there. And it was brutal. Oh my suck. God. Yeah. No wonder. Yeah.
1: No yeah. wonder you, you end up. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, yeah. That's like in terms of just like fun riding, that's probably my favorite, yeah, that's my really favorite stretch. But it, I also have kind of a soft spot for the stretch from Cremore to like mono Cliffs, I don't remember where that um, is. Which is basically like, it's on that final southbound section. So after you go through Blue Mountain, you mm-hmm. do all that stuff. It's just kind of like, I think it's probably the
0: toughest stretch. It's like kind of the most rugged and. Is that where you go through, there's like a whole downhill section and some of it's like really rough and choppy. Um, I remember Yeah, that. there's a bunch of that in there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's basically, yeah. So you go through, yeah, do all the Collingwood stuff and then,
1: yeah, it's like 100K of like just really kind of weird out there dirt roads and atv track that you're like, how like how i got so lost in there too yeah i was constantly lost yeah 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 Yeah. and I, i i don't know i feel like that is probably the most challenging section so in a lot of ways i'm constantly drawn to it and i just i i
0: think i feel the most out there um when i'm on that stretch so yeah I really like that bit too. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much anytime we got off the gravel roads and onto like track or like some choppy stuff, I was like, I got yeah. excited. Cause I'm like, Oh, yeah. it, it changes, It wakes you up. It makes you pumped up. You feel good. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, except when you're, except when you're trying to figure out your GPS, which wasn't co- or cooperating very <laughs> yeah, well with you're you're you trying either. To eat like, or, yeah, exactly. No.
1: Yeah. And I think the route does a really good job of that, of keeping things interesting. Like you're mm-hmm. never really on one stretch for too long it it switches up quite a bit like the first day so the first like 300 250 ish is pretty pretty straightforward it's a lot of rail trail and like dirt roads but after that it's just like i feel like it constantly keeps your attention which i think is one reason you can push through a lot of that ride without having to rest or stop is Mm -hmm. because you're not just like mindlessly grinding away on a a one road for 60k right like yeah
0: you're constantly kind of engaging a little bit of adrenaline and like just getting yeah you do have to pay attention Yeah. yeah exactly yeah is there any parts that you don't really like? Matthew, um, listen up. No. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's all necessary. Yeah. So that I
1: understand. Like you need to ride some shitty stuff sometimes to get to the cool spots. Um, I mean, the first day, honestly, is kind of like, eh, like it's just pretty flat and there's a lot of rail trail. There was some cool new stuff this year, which helped switch that up. Oh. Um, like there's that optional trail network at around 100K. Um, there's just a little out and back. Yeah,
0: yeah, I did that uh, one. That was really
1: great. Oh, I love that trail. I love yeah, that. That was really yeah, awesome. And it like, was like the three little loops, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and you're kind of, it's like so much trail crammed into such a tiny little area. Yeah, yeah. And that was, I, I like that. Yeah, so there's, he does a great job. He does his best. You can tell Like he tries to find the coolest stuff. But you really, he's like, all right, let's get you north. Let's get you mm-hmm. to the water.
0: Let's, like, get you to the cool stuff as quick as we can. Even those little um, trails right at the edge by the water there, that little provincial park were really flowy, yeah, really, really fun, just to, like, zoom yeah. around in, you know?
1: Yep, yeah, and uh, McGregor,
0: McGregor Point. Yeah, yeah, I love all that stuff. And yeah. it's just, and then you open up onto the lake,
1: and you're like, oh, okay, this is why I'm here, like, so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, most of it I really love. Like, there's really no part that I'm like, okay, great, okay. now we got to do this.
0: Yeah, I remember the view when you get up um, – before getting in towards it and you're looking down and you can see the big, uh, the bay, the
1: yeah, Georgia yeah. bay up
0: there. And then you're yeah. like, Oh, I'm like 10 minutes away, and it's like 30, 40 minutes later. You're like, Where the hell's this bay? Like, it just goes down, yeah, and exactly. down, and down, yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right. And you did mention that the AR 700 was kind of spontaneous. What prompted it? And yeah, tell us about your ride. Yeah, so I, I, um, I don't really know. I had heard that I knew a few people
1: from Toronto that were going out to do it. And um, you probably know who Kyle Messier is. He the name. is, uh, he lives in Canmore and he had the BTXL uh, FKT before I did. So wow. he's whose time I was chasing last year. And he's also who won the 700 the very first year it, it, it happened. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I that's knew right. him he was just... on, uh, he was on the bike packing podcast actually. Him and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so he was on yeah he did that uh in 44 hours and so i was like whoa this guy this guy's legit." and uh so i never met him until this year but we had been talking online and kind of talking about the bt and stuff and he was like oh like i'm doing doing the alberta rockies because i'm out here and it's gonna be a cool ride and i was like oh that'd be cool maybe one day i'll do it and then really my boss had just kind of like talked to a lot of us and like hey guys like if you want to take time off to do cool rides in the summer like i'm here for it and i was like hey maybe i should like go to Alberta and do a race and like travel was a thing again. And the flights um, were wicked cheap this year too. Yeah, man. Um, so I was like, Dan, can I have a week off and go do this race? He's like, of course, like, please do. And yeah, so it was really, I just kind of, I'd known about it for a few years and I just heard of a couple people who I'd been really keen on meeting and I was super stoked to race Kyle. So I was like, yeah, let's make this happen. Um, and so he hit me up. He's like, Hey man, like you can come crash with us while we're out here. So while you're out here, um, and so everything just kind of lined up, and it was like too easy not to like
0: uh-huh. I couldn't
1: not do it at that point, you know.
0: Time for a quick interruption to thank some of the bike tour adventure partners. The Bike Tour Adventures podcast is proud to be partnered with Redshift Sports, founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists. They've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the Switch Aero System the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat post paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as the main focal point, ReStrap has been in the bag making business for quite some time. Having used a race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Named after the animals that roamed the Tibetan Plateau, Chiru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Lemanga in 2009. After noticing a lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. For discount codes, check out the show notes or go to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast website. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually signed up to go too. And, uh, cause really? I thought, yeah, I thought we were going to be out West. We had talked about it doing a road trip out and I was like, Oh, I'll put my name down. This is awesome. And yeah. then plans changed and
1: yeah, just things went happens. sideways. And so that would have been cool, man. That would have been a, you probably would have been up at the pointy and with us.
0: It would have been fun, fun yeah. Four-way, yeah, four-way duel. Yeah, so uh, tell us about the ride. I remember messaging you and ask, and you you know telling you that, and I was like, I don't know, I don't have the bike for it. I only have forty five C tires. And
1: yeah, what are your thoughts? I think
0: I think you would want something a bit bigger. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, man, that was a weird one.
1: Like, so on the BT, you'll like do a really rough section, and it'll beat the hell out of you, and you'll be like, oh my god, that was brutal. And then it'll spit you out onto like a chill farm road, and you can mm-hmm. just like catch your breath for a little bit, or like just nice, chill, smooth gravel road. But on the Alberta Rockies, there's no, no time to catch your breath. Mm. Like you're, it's always something that's like demanding. Like you're either climbing for like an hour or it's like single track that you really have to pay attention on, or you're on a gravel road. That's just like brutal washboard. Like the surfaces were never nice unless you're on, there's a few sections. You're on some pavement, like maybe two hours total. You're on pavement, maybe a little bit more. And usually, when you're on pavement, you're climbing. so mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, there's just no no time to to chill, which again, is like we were saying before, is can be a benefit. It keeps you awake, keeps you in the game, but like past a certain point, you're just like, oh my God, I need to just stop yeah. and chill out for a minute. Yeah, I find too I like, like
0: I find the get the gravel roads on a gravel bike climbing loose gravel is just the worst thing you know like that's that's where it kills you like i can do single track all day on a gravel bike i'm a good yeah, no mountain problem. biker i could be pretty gnarly stuff but like man like loose gravel climbing is just where you get defeated because you just don't have the traction
1: yeah 100 yeah. yeah so i was pretty happy with my my big old 2.6 inch tires um, and most people were on like at least a two inch and yeah. i think that was definitely wise like kyle was on Kyle was on 2.35 icons and Mm -hmm. Megan was on, I think she was on two inch Terravale, like a spar wood or something. Okay. And like, that was even the the narrowest I would go. Like anytime I only saw her like twice and like anytime I would pass her, it would be on some like stupid baby head, like chunky rock shit. Um, where like, that's where my bike excels. It's, Mm -hmm. it's way better at descending that stuff than I am. So I would just kind of let it take the lead and I would just rock past her and then she would obviously pass me on the dirt roads after, but like, it was definitely,
0: it definitely helped me out in a few sections like that. Okay. And you guys had a pretty, like you said, it was you, you, Megan and Kyle, right? Well, you guys were pretty yeah. neck and neck. I remember watching throughout and I was like, Oh man, he's, you know, you, he, Yeah. was like 17 kilometers behind. I'm like, come on, Theo, you can do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was crazy. And it like, there's
1: no service on that ride. Like ever there's like, you have some service in Coleman, which is like 250K, and then you have some service in Fernie, which is like 450. And beyond that, there's no way to check the tracker. So it's all just in your head. Like you're constantly just making up, like, oh, I bet they're
0: oh, so you hours actually have ahead no idea this where point. people are.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, like wow. I thought that Megan was off the front the whole time. I was in my head, she had just dropped me and Kyle, because me and I saw Kyle a fair bit. Like we rode together a lot at the beginning we grabbed a hotel room the first night and we rode together that like we left the hotel and rode together for a while. And then he also caught me like right at the end. Uh, and I knew we were in Fernie together because we were texting a little bit. Um, but Megan was just like gone. I was like, okay, she just took off on us. And like, I don't know, honestly, to a certain degree, she's I was so like, strong. Right, like, she's so strong too. She's so strong. And I was just like, all right, you know what? I'm fine to be beat by these two. Like these guys are monsters. Like, If I come in third to them, that's not a problem to me. So to some degree, I kind of resigned myself to third. But then going into the last night, I was like, all right, let's give it one more, give it one more try here and see what's going on. So yeah, like I guess when we get to Fernie around commoner 450, I took the opportunity to check the tracker and I saw that Megan had already left. She was in and out in like 15 minutes. And I was like, I can't do that. I need to take an hour here because like it was so hot. I'd run out of water. I was so hungry. So My plan was basically take my time in Fernie, restock, get ready, because I'm just going to push through the night, and I'm not stopping until the finish at this point. Okay. So that was kind of the game plan going into the final night. And, uh, I mean, it worked, but I didn't know it was working until the very end um, when I'd ridden through the entire night, and the sun was starting to come up, and then I see a dynamo light coming up behind me. I'm like, oh, shit, that's Kyle. Like, what are you doing back there, buddy? Like, (laughs) I thought you were ahead of me. And he was like, "Oh, hey, man!" And I was like, "Yeah, what's up, dude?" And he was like, "Kyle or Megan's coming back pretty strong, eh?" And I was like, "What do you mean? Like she's ahead of us?" And he was like, "No, nah, no, nah, she's like 15k back." I was like, "No shit, eh?" So like I've been up front the whole time. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, yeah," and I gotta I gotta stop to filter water like at the next race. And I was like, "This is my oh, chance." Are you gonna stop, eh? Um, and at that point, we were 100k from the finish, and like he he like made a joke about how it was like a 100k sprint to the finish line now. I was like, okay, but like, actually it's a hundred. It really
0: <laughs> so yeah, as soon as he pulled over, I just like put my head down and just like, and it becomes so like, it's so key at that point. You're like, all right, am I going 18? Am I going 20? Like you gotta just like yeah. something that you can maintain for five, six hours. And- yeah.
1: And at that point, like you, I don't know, I do this thing in my head where like, there's a, there's a point in the ride where I tell myself to stop being nice to myself. Like in the first half, you got to like pay attention to your body and take care of yourself. And just like, do little things like pace yourself properly, but at a certain point, especially if you're racing or chasing a time, you're like, okay, yeah, there's no more room for complaining. I don't care that my knees hurt. Like yeah. push as hard as you can. No complaining allowed, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was when I kind of switched over to that. Pop a couple like, okay. IB ibuprofen and Yeah, exactly. And just like put your head down, put a lot of music in and just grind it out. And uh, so, yeah, at that point, I just like, I was like, as long as you stay out of sight, you've got this and he won't catch you. Um. So I just pushed really hard for like an hour just to try to get a little bit of a gap, and uh, I yeah, it worked. I mean, I managed to hold them off, not by much, but but uh, yeah, well, he rolled in a, like half an hour behind okay. me. It's
0: like half an hour, yeah,
1: yeah. And then Megan was half
0: an hour behind him, so it was just like wow. Yeah, we were pretty. It was pretty tight at the end. And it's like yeah, you, like you said, you don't want to be seen, and it's a good thing you're you're rolling into daylight by then, right? So the lights yeah. weren't it was like, now it's a visual thing. It's not like they're going to see a flashing light up ahead and it's like, yeah, start pushing yeah. harder. You get all of a sudden get motivated and energized. Yeah, exactly. Say. Yeah. So I was basically,
1: it's funny because you make even like your line choices, like, okay, I'm going to ride on the left-hand side of the road because I know he'll be able to see me if on the right side, if he's way back there. So like just little things like that, yeah, you are just yeah. being super sneaky about like every single line. You're like okay, I got to get, get around this corner, then I can breathe for a minute. And like, it's funny, just like the, I mean, and none of it really matters. All that matters is you have to ride faster than them. Yeah. But like your brain just convinces you that like every single decision counts.
0: And I'm sure you've never done as good a math as you did in that last five hours. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, How was it afterwards? I guess you were with Kyle. So like, how did that conversation go? Was he like, oh man, I just knew Like, did he think he was going to catch you? Was he, He, how how hard was he getting? (laughs)
1: apparently he was cooking like he was moving really quick he's yeah because like i was like i don't know i didn't think i could outride him i still don't like he is incredibly strong um even just tootling around a few days before together like he he was he's a crazy strong rider so and i think he knew that knew that as well like he knew he could ride harder than me so i don't think he let off the gas until the very end but i reached the point where I don't know. I was trying to keep it out of my head that I was going to win. Like you don't want to, you yeah. don't want to tell yourself yeah. that
0: it's over until, until it's actually done. And you don't want to give that negative thought that he's going to catch me either. You're like, yeah, yeah I'm so it's a weird irony. little, yeah. yeah. It's so stressful,
1: man. Like you're just, yeah, it was really, really a lot of anxiety for sure in that last five hours. But I reached a point where I was like, I don't know, 20 K from the end. And in my head I was like, okay, if I was him, I would have given up by now. Like I would have just like called it and just like cruise to the finish. And I told him that he was like, no way, man. Like I did not, that is not where my head was at at all. He's like, I'm going to catch you. Like he's going to be around the next corner. I was like, oh that's, that's kind of scary. scary. Like, you're just <laughs> hugging me down,
0: you know? <laughs> hey boy, I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Full on Terminator. Oh, that's amazing. Um, well, congratulations. I mean, first place is uh, Thanks, no small feat. What's, uh, it what was the total uh, yeah. time on that? Uh, 53
1: hours, uh, something minutes, 17 really, minutes or something. Huh? And that's yeah. like some yeah, sick yeah. amount of meters climbed. Yeah. It was uh, 10,500 roughly. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, over, over 700 K, which is yeah, definitely the most climbing in a ride I've ever done. That's was, like an
0: extra, an extra third on top of the VT. Oh, I don't know about yeah, the VTXL yeah. on top of the VT 700. Yeah,
1: The XL is about, it's I, I've i logged just your, under 10,000 every okay. time I've done it like nine ninety eight hundred. Um, but yeah, over 1100 K so 400 K less and 500 meters more. Yeah, that's why I did a lot of hill repeats uh, all summer, just because I was like pretty nervous about all the climbing, so I was climbing a lot of hills. Ah, oh, sweet. Yeah.
0: What's next for you? Tour Divide. Divide. Yeah,
1: yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, the Divide is definitely. I've wanted to do a Divide since I found out what it was, but I was right? like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I was like twenty, I was like, that's. I need to do that one day. Yeah, so maybe, maybe the Divide. I'm also kind of um, racing. Racing for this year is
0: done. I, I got that Tour in Thunder Bay coming up, and then it's just kind of yep. back to back to training i've got i've got a root i've got a route for you yeah yeah i've put it together i haven't actually gone out and wrote it yet so i'm probably going to go in a week or two or three okay cool it's in mont tremblant okay it's 282 kilometers but 4771 meters oh my god and amazing um, yeah send so, it over man i want to check that out yeah i'll i'll give it a ride and uh, finalize any edits and then uh it'll be coming your way cool yeah thanks that'd be sick it's something I've been working on, uh, like on top of the grand O, which I did in this region and stuff. So it's yeah. Yeah. Cool. Dude. Yeah. So, I mean,
1: race wise, there's a bunch of events next year I'd like to do. So it's, it's kind of either going to be tour divide grand depart year, uh, or it's going to be a couple smaller, smaller rides. Um, and, and I'm kind of leaning towards the latter honestly, cause, yeah. um, I don't know, like, I think I wanted to do tour divide maybe, uh, like when I go to race it, I think I kind of want to already have ridden it. Um, not, at a race pace, but maybe like a quick tour, or at least some good. So I'm kind of thinking it, right? the next. Yeah, yeah. Like I just want to. I don't know. If I'm going to go and race people on it, I want to. I want to be able to compete mm-hmm. and like at, at least give some of the fast people a run for their money. Yeah, you know, like at least try to keep the pressure on, sure. um, if nothing else. So I, I'm thinking next year I might do. Um, I'd, be, I'd love to do the Hope 1000 mm. uh, in Switzerland. That's one I've had my eye on for a long time. Um, I'd love to do the Badlands 700 in Spain um yeah and the other one the other one i really want to do is the uh the arkansas high country because lately i've like gotten super interested in like the the ozarks like gravel scene yeah uh and like all the riding down there looks unbelievable
0: i think it's a fairly new route as well
1: yeah yeah um and it just i don't know it kind of seems like the scene down there is starting to get pretty a lot bigger and really cool and i've never really been to the states like any part of it Mm -hmm. um as like an adult with a bike. So I'd really right. like to go check some of that out, but you know, that all depends on if travel is a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I might have to stay in Canada, who knows. So, um, if I do the BC Epic is on the cards for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would do Alberta again, but yeah, so next, next season, I'm actually, I'm um, not going to be in the shop. I'm going to be doing riding my bike full time, basically. Oh
0: yeah. Um, yeah. So you're going so to take, be... take one season off kind of thing or. Yeah. Um, or is this something yeah, like you're maybe thinking like, maybe I can get sponsored and go pro. <laughs> There's not I too mean, many out there. <laughs> no, that's a that's a hard thing to do. But basically, I got to take at least a year
1: and just like do what I what I want to do. Like, I just don't. I love it here and I love the shop, but I just don't spend enough time riding my bike, and that's all I want to do right now. So, dude, you're young. It's time um, to do it. Do it. Yeah, and the, the shop is like is super on board. As of today, I'm uh, officially supported by Curve too, which is pretty cool.
0: Nice.
1: Um. So a couple couple cool companies have my back. And uh, even if it's just for a year that I get to spend touring and racing, then mm-hmm. that would be fine with me. So, yeah, I'm going to do a bunch of touring. i got a bunch of like roots planned that I
0: want to do. And then a few races peppered, peppered throughout the season. Um, What's the curve support like? Is that uh financially or are they just um like a new bike kind of thing?
1: Uh, They should like hook up some gear and Sweet.
0: just like, um yeah, I mean, it's pretty,
1: it's very new. So I'm not really 100% sure yet. It yeah. was literally just a conversation I had with Sarah today. But, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of depends. I think it's just wherever we want to take it and mm-hmm. see what happens next season. And
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty open-ended. That's awesome. And then you'll have to come yeah. up the, our way here and do some riding. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Although I don't know where I'll be next year. I'm figuring that out too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got any, any races or anything planned on that? I guess not with a baby on the way you got to be. <sighs> not really. Nothing serious. Um, I think we're going to, because I'm a teacher, so I'm off in the summers, I think we're going to do some camper vanning around the west of Sweet. canada so i might bring i'm uh, definitely nice. gonna bring a bike so maybe the hope 1000 or ar depending what the timing's like yeah, uh, yeah i'd like to do a grand depart and not just start on my own time it's like i think it's yeah. a nice thing a nice aspect about that
1: yeah yeah the grand depart was cool i hadn't done one
0: yet yeah. um alberto was my first one it was awesome you meet so many cool people yeah 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 and then the next thing would be possibly going to europe i'm still registered for the uh north cape 4000 so no way cool i was registered for last year and then covid came and then they moved it to yeah. this year and then i had to like i emailed them and said hey guys like i, I really can't make it this year like you know and they said okay well we'll defer it to next year sweet so, so if we go to europe maybe i'll do that that's i need a good couple of weeks for that or yes yeah. so that, i'm, that I'm one planning for like amazing. 17 days that would be my goal sure 17 or less
1: yeah yeah that would be um if i was gonna do a road event that would be top of the list for sure i just yeah, that, those landscapes
0: up in Norway look yeah, unbelievable. Sick. Like just nowhere else like that in the world. Like it just looks so cool. Yeah. So that's it. I don't know exactly. I think we'll be uh, we'll be taking a little bit more time off. I'll be getting some paternity leave and I think my wife might take a little bit of unpaid or whatever and just kind of nice. stay away for a while. Just enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, if you're on the West Coast, I will be out there a
0: lot probably next summer. Nice, so nice. we should go for a rip or something. Nice, nice. Where are you going to be? Are you going to be up in, uh, on the island or?
1: Yeah, I'll be on the island for um, – probably quite a while I'm going to head out like mid April drive out west and then I have a three week tour all playing right that island. is the uh, show thank you the so much Theo for that, this awesome and interview and probably just that's going to kind of, kind of be home base probably messaging back and forth for, for a while but it, it was really family. nice
0: yeah. to have a chance to yeah, sit definitely. down and have a real conversation um, so and, uh, yeah I'm not 100% sure
1: yet but but I'll be hopefully in the next year so we'll have a chance to ride
0: together I don't have any other questions anything you want to share if you are a fan of the show you love the show super cool it's not gonna kill your pocketbook can you it, Instagram help to keep going, by underscore. joining Patreon. That's where I post and pretty much everything. You know, I have three different um, tiers: um, on one three dollars, five dollars. Nothing oh, too yeah. crazy. Yeah, now, somewhere just, between the price minute. of half a coffee like and a website like about Theo Kelsey, two coffees. Yeah, it's going to be like basically like a little and more. Yeah, like like a little and more and that will help keep the show going. So I mean, there's a lot of associated costs with the show, and you know, just trying to photos Articles I write, just like have it all in one. Yeah, In one place, it looks possible. a little more official. I think would be a good if you idea. Can't, yes, Sweet. Manage Patreon. Right. Well, yeah, man, thanks, not for a, thanks for having me. Thanks a big Go to iTunes. Oh, I fixed iTunes. Thanks for oh, was so something and, wrong. Uh, and course, man, no shows had been up, uploading since we'll July 7th. But Somebody Bye. let right, me man. know. Thanks so much. That was awesome because I don't use iTunes and I had no idea. So I was wondering why. Why is my show not being downloaded nearly as much? Why is the podcast not being listened to? Well, it turns out iTunes was not working properly for me. But if you can go to iTunes and give me a five star review, there's a few in there already. I'd love to have more. Just helps push it up in the standings um, or however that works, all those metrics and just get more people access to it. And, you know, so that it comes up when people search bikepacking or bike touring. So check that out. And honestly, I really appreciate everything you guys have been doing. um, what, What, two and a half years into this project. And I call it a project because I never thought it would last this long. I I thought, you know, I don't know, who knows really when you start something like this, how long it would go for. You have this like flashback dream thing that, hey, maybe 10 years from now, this will still be a thing. But then you start to do the work and you're like, man, that's a lot of work. So yeah, it's been two and a half years. We are 57 interviews in and a whole bunch of other content and stuff has grown on the website. And I just really appreciate um, you guys. And just, you know, the kind words that have come my way, uh, both in person and and through emails and stuff. Uh, just recently, it was really nice. I was sitting chatting with a, a couple, a lovely couple, and I'm sure they'll recognize themselves if they, they hear this. And, you know, she just kind of said, you know, Chris, I know it's a ton of work and you do such a good job and it's really lovely. And there's lots of times where I think an episode won't interest me, but I listen to it anyways and then I get captivated with the person's story. And it's it's just really, really nice that, you, you know, you do away of that. And I was like, oh, man, feel good moment. And I went home feeling like a million bucks and still feeling like a million bucks. So, Jen, thank you so much for those kind words. And, uh, yeah, I do look forward to um, continue this project. So if you do love the show, you can always just send me some more emails and testimonials. And I'll try to put them up on the website. Otherwise, I'd like to thank my sponsors, of course. I have a, a few companies that really just give me pro deals on some of the stuff, so Opus bikes. been using that bike for two years now, two seasons. love it. Um, great, great gravel bike as well as Redshift Sports. Redshift Sports has some really, really cool. Accessories for bikes, um, such as suspension handlebars and seat posts and stuff, and these things are really, really awesome and definitely save a lot on my wrists. So and ass, I should say. So thank you, Redshift and Seven Mesh Clothing out of Squamish, BC, making pretty awesome bike clothes like these cargo cargo bib shorts I wear that have pockets all over them, and you can just stuff food and stuff in them and not have to run out of space which is sick and uh some really really nice merino shirts and whatnot so super pleased with all these products um yeah really appreciate it as a caveat i should add that uh redshift has given me products so not even a pro deal they've been really really kind to to give me products Opus Bikes has given me their dis, um, their it's owned by the distributor Outdoor Gear Canada, and they've given me a few different products here and there, like a gyro helmet and stuff. So there is that. So I don't want you guys to have any, um, you know, just trying to be as true as I can. Furthermore, recently, not too long ago, I did have an Instagram draw for a set of Redshift aero bars that went off really well, and that went to a guy out of Canada named Kevin Steele who, uh, won the lucky draw. I will be having another lucky draw in the next couple months, and it's going to be for patrons only. So it's going to be a Blackburn Outpost Elite frame bag. I think size ML, medium, large, Um, brand new, of course, sent to me by Outdoor Gear Canada. And we're going to do that for patrons. So there is time sign up as a patron for every dollar you've signed up for. Um I will calculate it up to the prorate it up to the end of the year. Or not prorate it, what's the word I'm looking for? I'll progressively rate it? Anyways, I'll count it as up to December and I'll put your name in the draw for that many chances to win the bag. So just a little extra incentive and uh hopefully it help with the podcast to keep on going and keep being awesome or as awesome as I could possibly make it. So thank you guys. Uh thanks for all your support. It's definitely been a wonderful two and a half years, and uh, here's to the next two and a half, I guess. Cheers, and keep on pedaling. Bye-bye. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca. Or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on peddling.